available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. (laughs) I couldn't even hold it together. (laughs) Well, this is Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. That's how we start off the show, David. If you don't know, Dave tries to like go with a different cadence to screw me up. That one definitely screwed me up because I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, But together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. The regular season, championship weekend, all has come to an end. Now we have bowl season to look forward to, so we're going to talk about that. We'll recap Oregon's dominating win over Utah. We got some news that's been breaking around the conference, and we got some of your questions. I know we just recorded uh, later last week, but we still got some questions that have come in. Pac12podcast at gmail.com if you'd like a question for our next show. I think, David, next show we'll probably preview all the bowl games, right? I don't know about all of them. Um, so we've got definitely one we can preview. I mean, we'll get into the schedule. I think we could probably split it up over two shows. Okay. Because um, we can do one. There's a game not this weekend, but the next weekend. And then the week following, we can do all of the other games. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll do that. we'll play it by ear. I mean, we always plan this out meticulously, or just as you fly, can tell, fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, so yeah, pack twelve podcast at gmail.com, or if you'd rather call or text four two four five three two zero six seven eight, you can tweet us at pack twelve podcast and the website pack twelve podcastcom Please subscribe, rate us five star re- ratings and positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn. Megaphone, anywhere, you know, uh, where else we got? Anywhere you can check out podcasts. We should be there and you should leave us something nice to say if you, that would be great. We like that, Dave. We do like nice things. Um, we'll take even kind of average things. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Bateman, Bateman 503 gave us a five star review. Subject line, not too shabby. <laughs> Body, this is a pretty decent podcast. The guys are knowledgeable about Pac 12 football, which is nice. I love that that's Bateman 503's bar for a five-star rating. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's okay. Cool. Are you a, Great. like, if I rate anything, I always just do the highest. Like, I, I mean, do you ever, like, I, I mean, it would have to be terrible. Like, I, I I mean, I'd have to have some serious beef to not rate it at least four stars. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, I, I don't think I could do the four-star thing. Like, if I like it, it's just going to, I'll give it a five-star. Like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, it was... It was like you see some of the Amazon reviews. Like I loved everything except, I don't know, the guy that delivered the package. He was not nice to me, so I'm going to give this four stars. Like, okay, that doesn't make much sense. But yeah, whatever. it's it's the Yelpification of everything because it's like if it's not four stars on Yelp, it's actually piss. Yeah, like it's actually <laughs> horrible. Or there's been like some real vendetta from somebody against that restaurant, whatever it is. But if it's not four stars on there, and four stars is the second highest thing. Um, but no, people, people aren't willing to, to, to dole out that like two-star review anymore. No, I don't know what it is, but whatever. That's people are strange. 
People are strange. Um, oh, no, no, no. I can't deal with the doors when it's a normal person singing it, but no. When I'm, not t- listen- I'm not listening to you sing the doors. I can't. Today. Well, first of all, I can't sing, so that's not like. I, I mean, I thought it was beautiful. I thought you've got you've got real dulcet tones, as we've talked about, but <laughs> no way. No way. And I mean, I guess it was better because it didn't come with that like terrible organ sound in the background, but no. No doors. Okay. No, you're not a doors fan. No, 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 under no, under no conceivable circumstances. All right. Um, well we, uh, so our picks for the Pac-12 championship game did not go our way. So ending the regular season, uh, it was, we both finished 0 and 1 for the championship game. We both took Utah and, uh, that did not work out. Um, Oregon, Oregon won. Uh, neither of us are above 500, so we need a, a good bowl. You you don't need that great of a bowl season because you're only one game below. I am seven or or so, so I need a much better bowl. I got go <laughs> to go seven or no sweep. You need to sweep <laughs> to end up 500. <laughs> Yay, that's good. Uh, well, hopefully you didn't listen to us, and you do listen to us when we talk about my bookie. Maybe not our picks, but for my bookie, you can do so many cool things there. And you know, I think betting bowl season can be fun because. It's a crapshoot, right? Dave, I mean, these teams take a month off. Some people like USC, they're not practicing right now, where Iowa's out there practicing. So what's going to happen when the bowl comes around? Coaches leave. You just never know. But I think you can have a lot of fun if you get a little action on all these games at MyBookie. They've been great to us. Hopefully you guys took advantage of that Bears-Lions game for Thanksgiving where they gave you the free bet for 250 bucks. Because even if you didn't win it, you got your money back, so that's great stuff. But they still have the $1,000 deposit. If you deposit up to $1,000, you will get your money matched by my bookie. So they do a really good job there uh, with the payouts. Uh, it's really easy site to use. You go to mybookie.ag, and they've been awesome to us over the last couple of years. So I hope you guys make sure you go check it out. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Make that first deposit using promo code pack 12 and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jump start your bankroll. So make sure you check it out, mybookie.ag. Lots of fun games in the bowl season, not just the Pac-12, but all the bowls. So hopefully you guys get a chance to check it out, and hopefully our picks, David, are better than before. I hope so. I hope so. It was a smooth read, Ryan. I thought it was very good. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Absolutely no glitches happened in the middle of that read. <laughs> We we have not had to do any audio engineering at this point. No, that was the smoothest it's ever been. Yeah, we're, we're you know we're just rolling right along. I'm a little under the weather, and uh, so the start the show when you made me laugh that was pretty funny. Um, so if I hawk you know cough up a lung or something, my apologies to all the listeners. But I don't think that we're going to doom ourselves. I don't think it's going to be a long show. But that means. <laughs> But that means it's definitely going to be a long show, right? Like somebody, so somebody should have. You know what? We should have a soundboard of you saying that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a long show. No, and we should just play that at the two-hour mark every single show. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, as far as the rankings go, not much changed. College football rankings, you know, besides the Utah Oregon almost swap, uh, Oregon's up to number six. Utah drops to number eleven. USC stayed. At number 22, uh, we didn't do any kind of official power rankings, but we just swapped Oregon and Utah at the top. Any other issues with that, David? No, that seems fine to me. I think uh, Oregon uh, pretty much definitively put their stamp at number one. Yeah. Um, We do have, let's see. So maybe we'll start with 
uh, the all Pac-12, um, all Pac-12 teams. Do we want to? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to go through all that stuff. They, I, in general, um, general stuff in the all Pac-12. Did you read what John Wilner wrote about um, Oregon getting snubbed? As far as like the team that won the conference to only have four total players and one on the first team, all Pac-12 team. He went back through the last you know six seven years and it. It's just not been like that. And his theory was, and it's voted by the rest of the coaches. You can't vote for your own team. That a lot of coaches won't, you know, so Kyle Whittingham gets coach of the year, not Mario Cristobal. And they don't get a lot of players on there. And his point, which I thought was really good, it both can't be right. You either think that Oregon has a lot of talent, so you don't want to give Mario Cristobal the coach of the year because they're the most talented team, or they won the conference and it was great coaching but they don't have a lot of talent, so you don't put a lot of the guys on the all-pack 12 team. You can't really have both. So I thought that was a really good point by uh, Mr. Wilner. It is. Um, I also don't know. So the the big star for Oregon, like the guy who you think has the most star power is Justin Herbert, but I don't know. I look at Tyler Huntley and Anthony Gordon, and I can see why they were picked over him. And then if I'm thinking about the offense, what I maybe would have done differently is I think three of the Oregon offensive linemen could have been all first team. Sure. Um, and two of them got second team. One got first team in Penny Sewell. But I thought that could have been different. But like, think about it. The wide receivers, who on Oregon is going to get in over Ayuk or Pittman or Chenault or Hodgins? Yeah. Um, there, it's been more of a, a accumulation of guys rather than like one big star. I think it was the way that team is built, especially offensively. I just don't know that there's, you know, if Herbert, you know, Herbert wasn't dominant this year and had some, you know, kind of rough games and big spots, obviously not at the end, but um, had some rougher games and big spots without him. I don't know that there's like that skill position guy where you're saying, Oh, wow. That's that's definitely an all Pac-12 first team guy. Yeah. Um, defensively, it seems crazy to me though. Um, yeah, defensively, that... they didn't have a single first teamer, um, and getting only Troy Die, it looks like on the second team. That's nuts. No, it's crazy. And then so real quick, it's from the top. So Zach Moss got the offensive player of the year. I don't have any issue with that. Do you have an issue with that? No, no that seems no. fine. Evan Weaver, who had I think 785 tackles this year, uh, linebacker for Cal. He gets the Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year. And then Whittingham, like we said, the Coach of the Year. Uh, freshman Offensive Player of the Year, Keaton Slovis from USC. Freshman Defensive Player was Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Interesting, he gets the Freshman Defensive Player of the Year, but doesn't make the All-Pac-12 team, where USC's Drake Jackson makes All-Pac-12 second team. And he's a freshman. He didn't, you know, so obviously you're saying Thibodeau's better than Drake Jackson. Watching what... Yeah. Watching what Thibodeau did in only the Pac-12 championship game should have made him second team at least. Yeah, and you, why would he not be above Drake Jackson, who wasn't the freshman player of the year, but he's on the team? Like, it it was very Pac-12 of uh, you know, just to, but I guess it's the coaches that are voting this. But I don't know how you could vote for him to be freshman player of the year and not on the All Pac-12 team somewhere. Well, it's just crazy. I mean, Oregon was I don't know probably the second or third best defense this year and to only have one all pack 12 selection first or second team defensively is nuts yeah. utah had five first teamers which i think is fine and right um but washington had a I lot mean, and there were five you know seven and five you know it's like 
Uh, and, and Washington had a good defense this year, but it wasn't a dominant defense, and it no. was pretty comparable to Oregon's. So I, I, I don't know. That's That seems nuts to me. Um, but, yeah, Thibodeau, I think he should have been a DL pick, but I think you could have picked one of those DBs as well. Um, yeah, I think that was a real miss defensively. Offensively, I get it more, but defensively, I think that's a real miss. Do you think the way that Oregon's recruiting, do you buy Wilner's um, kind of hypothesis that, with the way Oregon's recruiting, this is sort of like taking a shot at them, so it doesn't help them recruit more or anything. I mean, what what do you feel like this is? Um, like they, why they did? Yeah, they Go vote ahead. for this after the championship game, so this isn't like, well, we picked Whittingham before the championship game. It's like I get it. Like they either have to be really talented or really well coached, and the poll t- said neither was true, so that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, this is picked by the coaches, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, by that, we mean it's picked by the SIDs. Yes. And by that, we mean they're mostly counting stats. Yeah. With a lot of this stuff. So I wonder if it was a combination of factors, but I wonder if that was part of it too. Um, and that's a little dirty secret about all these things. It's not actually the coaches often picking these things. It's mostly the sports information or communications people who are picking the teams um, because the coaches don't have time for that crap. Um so I, I could have been some of a variety of different factors. I do agree with Wilner. You kind of have to give Oregon credit with something. I definitely lean more towards the talent side of it. I don't think Cristobal is an excellent coach, um, but he certainly, you know, showed something against Utah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. We have, what else do we got on the docket? Some news. We talked about some of the guys turning pro. So three more names came out. Um, so Utah safety Julian Blackman, who was in the you know running for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, uh, ASU running back Eno Benjamin, and Colorado receiver KD Nixon, they are all going pro. Um, I mean, no shock there, right? KD Nixon maybe a little bit, yeah, um, but the other two not really. And Blackman got hurt um, in the uh, Oregon game, so I'm wondering how his health is. Yeah, um, and maybe that was kind of a. Yeah, maybe part of that. Um, but wasn't he a senior, or am I completely confused? No, I thought he, I thought he was a junior. I could look it up real quick, but I could have sworn he was a senior. But I could also be high, just high. Yeah, that balls. might be. Uh, let's see. According to the Utah roster, oh, he is a senior. The why am I? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'm just an let's idiot. recognize him. He he was great, and honestly, I mean. He when he was healthy, that game was looking a lot better for Utah. <laughs> when he went out, uh, it started to look pretty rough. I was looking at like lists of people that turned pro. Maybe I I just read that wrong or something. So my apologies to it's Utah okay. fans. It's okay. You're you're under the weather. You're not at a hundred percent today. I am a little under the weather. Um, yeah, of course he's going pro. He's a senior. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jake uh, Bentley. So he was at South Carolina. He's going to go to Utah as a grad transfer. So potential there I, I that's what's interesting now is when teams lose you know good quarterbacks we've seen this at Oklahoma for three years in a row um you get like a transfer come in and maybe you don't miss a beat so uh, I know Utah loses a lot this year and maybe you rely on a couple transfers and Jake Bentley could be one of them to uh kind of get the get things back on track yeah, and running a Will Muschamp offense, he was still pretty fine. So that's that's a really good <laughs> sign. I mean, sixty-two percent completions, uh, seven point nine yards adjusted yards per attempt, uh, twenty-seven touchdowns, fourteen interceptions uh, in twenty eighteen before he got hurt this year. So seems like a decent enough get. Um, yeah. Stopgap guy um, in between whoever they bring in next. 
True. Uh, we'll see what happens there. There'll be we'll talk about that in the spring. He is eligible. He'll be eligible in the fall. So, um, so uh, the coaching news in there. Uh, Oregon offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo. He's going to be the new head coach of the UNLV uh, <laughs> Running Rebels, and it looked like Dave Aranda, the LSU defensive coordinator, was in the running there. He gets paid two and a half million bucks at LSU. Uh, it would take a significant pay cut to go to UNLV, but uh, it's coming from the Pac-12. So Marcus Arroyo, not that like the Oregon offense has been amazing. Um, I don't know if he's like the, the, the best recruiter in the world. He's you know as far as what Oregon's been doing there. So I'm not sure how big of a blow this is for the Ducks, uh, but UNLV gets their head coach. Yeah, that one, I, I I don't know what to make of that, but good for him. Good for him. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't really, Oregon's offense has not blown me away. Um, so, and I don't know if what they do offensively is even really a fit at that level, but maybe he has a different background that I'm not aware of. Maybe he was, you know, something else, and then Cristobal has this style. Don't really know, um, but good luck to him. Hope he does well there. Uh, that's a potentially decent job, I would say. I mean, not obviously a world beater, but it's a potentially good Mountain West job if they get the right mix of coaches, especially with that, you know, new stadium and new investment in athletics in that city. Yeah. So maybe. Uh, speaking of Mountain West, Jeff Tedford, just real quick, uh, former Cal head coach, he stepped down at Fresno State, had a really good couple of few years there, uh, but he had some health problems and he's stepping down. So that's a little, I mean, they were kind of a, they were, I mean, they were a bright spot as far as West Coast football goes for at least a couple of years there, winning double digit games twice in a row. They stepped a little back, you know, took a little step back this year, but um, the former Cal quarterback, uh, former Cal quarterback, yeah, but co- former Cal head coach stepping down at Fresno State. Yeah, and that's, I think, the second time he's had to step down from position due to health reasons. So yeah. um, hopefully he gets his health right. Uh, but I, hopefully we see him in coaching again at some point because he's gotten his health together because obviously a, a damn good coach. Yeah, his name comes up a lot of times when you have Pac-12 openings and stuff. So, um, And, then, you know, I, I've noticed this. Stanford's had a bunch of guys enter the transfer portal. Um, don't expect – I know uh, there was some talk that uh, – David Shaw, there was some interest from the Washington Redskins. Um, but it seems like from what I've read that Stanford's going to pretty much keep their coaching staff together. But players-wise, uh, there's some dudes leaving. And Jovan Swan was the latest one that I heard uh, entering the transfer Henry Henry, ha- Henry Haddis was another one. Yeah. Uh, offensive lineman grad transferring out. But, yeah, they're losing some bodies. And that is not a roster that could afford to lose a ton of bodies. Yeah. Um, Morgan, uh, Scaly. So he's not going to leave Utah, the defensive coordinator there. So he has a long-term extension. So that's good for the Utes. Um, and then all oh, Hunter Bryant also to the NFL. I don't think we mentioned him, uh, yeah. before. So those are kind of like the little newsy things. Um, any other newsy yeah, stuff? Well, I wonder if Scaly's being set up as, um, you know, head coach in waiting. Oh, uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I know there's been talk that Kyle Winningham is not planning on doing that forever. Um, just he's 60 already. He might just, you know, call it quits here sometime in the next couple of years. So yeah. that might be part of the uh, deal there. And I know they'd probably love to keep the defensive uh, mindset over there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I guess we got to do this. We got to do our Pac 12 roundup. And the game that you guys probably all saw was Oregon Ducks and Utah Utes. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so Oregon dominated uh, 37-15, uh, beat the crap out of the Utes. Um, it was really, I mean, it was a really impressive showing for Oregon um, to do what they did against what had been a very high-quality Utah team. Um, I thought spoke to their preparation for the game, but also just, um, you know, that argument we were just talking about, the is it Cristobal or is the talent? But you could just see it on the field. Oregon just has a ton more talent than Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that Utah defensive line all year. Oregon's offensive line dominated them um, all game, and it was not pretty. Um, and on the other end, too, Oregon's defensive line, I mean, it was a much more average Utah offensive line, but they dominated that offensive line. Um, early on, you know, the first half um, – Oregon finished it uh, 20, 20 zero. Um, they shut out Utah in the first half. It did feel like there were a lot of missed opportunities for Utah. Um, I mean, Oregon dominated the half, but it, it could have been closer at half. Um, I think Utah had it something like within the Oregon 40 or 45 four times and produced no points um, from it. Uh, the opening drive for Utah was actually one of their better drives in the first half, but they got it to third and one at the Oregon 33. And then, and this I thought was a misstep um, for uh, offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig is I don't know that he recognized um, Oregon's speed advantage, especially because he kept trying to do a lot of like slower developing runs to the outside. And on two successive downs, they ran Zach Moss just kind of off tackle-ish. Um, and each time it just got blown up because um, it was kind of slow developing um, and it just it had no real chance of working because of the blocking. But it's, you know, third and one, fourth and one. You're thinking he can power forward for a yard. Um, maybe go for a QB sneak there. I'm a big fan of the QB sneak on uh, third and one no matter what, uh, fourth and one no matter what. But um, I know some coaches don't love that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they had they had multiple opportunities to kind of at least get a field goal um, if they'd just been able to put together basically one more first down um, on four different occasions, and they just weren't able to do it. And meanwhile, Oregon broke out something on their first drive that they hadn't really done all year, which is Justin Herbert running the ball. Um, you know, that had been a part of his game up until basically this season, and they hadn't really shown it at all this year. Um, and then suddenly he was keeping on reads, he was doing designed runs, and that was a huge part of them just setting the tone early, um, that it was not going to be an easy night for Utah. Um, their game plan coming in was not going to be perfect. They were going to have to put a spy on Herbert. They were going to have to back off a little bit. And I think that just changed the complexion of the game from the very beginning or set the tone for the complexion yeah. of the game from the very beginning. Um, and that was uh, – from then on, it just seemed like Utah was on its heels and Oregon was kind of in the driver's seat. Um now, to Utah's credit, they rallied in the second in the uh, in the second half, um, and they had this one at twenty three fifteen. And this is the other thing I want to talk about, and then I just want to stop talking about this game. Okay, you'll have things to say, but what I want to say about this game is Kyle Whittingham um, with nine and a half to go in the fourth quarter uh, relinquished any opportunity to win the game. Down twenty three to fifteen, they had the ball fourth and four at the Oregon forty. Uh, with nine and a half to go. Um, they had just picked up 16 yards on a third and 20 with this little dump off to Zach Moss. So they had the ball in, this is perfect position to go for it. And given the time 
on the clock with just nine and a half to go, this was the time that you had to do it. There were so many different reasons why you had to go for this. But first and foremost, Utah had not scored a bunch. They had finally gotten the offense a little bit moving in the second half, but still they were struggling. Um, You're down eight. Even if you go on to score a touchdown on that drive, your odds of converting the two-point conversion are about 50-50. Like, long-term, that's about what your odds are on two-point conversion. So even if you score a touchdown that drive, you're very possibly going to need at least one more scoring drive. Um, So you have to build in the possibility that even when you get the ball back, if you elect to punt here, that you're going to need it twice. Not once, twice. Yeah. By punting here with nine and a half to go, they're basically saying, okay, we can get the ball back twice with scoring opportunities. That's not going to happen. Um, so stupid. Because uh, you need to score there, and then you might need to score again. They needed to maintain possession of the ball. And that's even throwing out just the basic math where punting on fourth and four from the 40, unless it's like an end-of-game situation, is always a terrible idea. Um, so they punt it. Oregon then immediately marches back down the field and scores the <laughs> touchdown. And the game's over. Um, but I, I thought that was a really egregiously bad decision by Kyle Whittingham. And yes, that would have potentially tied a game if they'd gone on to score there that they had no business being in at that point because Oregon had dominated to that point. Um, but their defense had started to play well. If they'd been able to score there, they might have pulled this one out. So I thought that was a huge missed opportunity from Whittingham. Just to play devil's advocate, I don't know if you know, David, but if you go for it there and don't get it, you give Oregon the ball back with good field position. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do. That is true. That is true. I hadn't considered that, Ryan. Well, you got to think. You know, it's it's a really good point. It's a really good point. Definitely relinquishing the opportunity to win the game is worth 30 yards of field position. No, I agree with you there. That was dumb. Uh, It was hard to believe that that was a one-score game at that point. You're like, this is a one-score game? Um, The Justin Herbert running stuff. Well, first of all, that opening drive for Utah was nice. They really had a problem on the the fourth down stuff. They went for it. I think that's probably the problem, too, is they went for it. I think they were 0 for 3 on fourth downs. They were the fourth and 1 on that opening drive they didn't get. So it's almost like... They just haven't been successful on fourth downs. Maybe that plays was, into was, his decision. Was, was, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, just some bullshit our moms taught us, or is that something we're going to work with, Kyle? No, dude, if I'm flipping a coin and it's heads three times in a row, I'm not betting it's going to come up heads. I, I'm never flipping that thing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the Justin Herbert running, I want to give – this has to be strategy – he has it. He like you watch him last year. That you know he was running the football. He he just hasn't done it this year. That's not been for whatever reason. If it's just to like you know preserve him as far as you know not take as many hits, he hasn't run. And then he comes out and you see him in that you know even that opening drive. He was using his legs and it was it was almost like like the Return of the Jedi when uh, Akbar and his you know his fleet are there and they're ready to attack the Death Star. And the Death Star starts shooting at him. They're like, holy crap, that thing's operational. That was like, you're kind of waiting for Justin Herbert could kill you with his arm. But then it's like, oh, crap, he's running now, too. It almost seemed like it was demoralizing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was really weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think they came in with it. It seemed like they obviously came in with a game plan. Utah, I mean, they've defended against a running quarterback before. They know how to do it. But it seemed like they were completely caught unaware yeah. by the fact that he was running the ball. They had no idea that um, that's and it was took them, them. It, yeah. it, it took them that time to adjust. And then Oregon had counter punches set up. It was, uh, you know what? We've knocked um, Cristobal and the, the coaching staff there a little bit over the years. But this was a 
dominant offensive game plan. Like they had this thing schemed out correctly. And that's, you know, if we're in the process of reevaluating Mario Cristobal, this game is number one on the resume um, because they, they took it to a Utah defense that was elite coming into this game. And they took it to them in a way that nobody else has. I mean, they ran the ball 41 times for 239 yards. That does not happen against this defense. No crazy. Do you remember, um, there was a block punt where I think it was like there was a fourth and one. And you know uh, who did that? You know who did that? Who did that? Kayvon Thibodeau. Nice. But Utah, like, false started on fourth and one. So they were going to go for I believe they were going to go for it. Then they had to punt. Can I tell you? No, no, no. Can I tell you what that was also? Okay. Um, so it was fourth and one at the Oregon 38. Then it was fourth and six at the Oregon 43. You know what that is also? A great opportunity to go for it. <laughs> yeah. So they end up not going for it. They end up punting. Well, first of all, to, those are the worst. Like, if if I'm a head coach and there's a it's fourth and one or whatever it is, it's it's something in one. Second and one, we see this happen. Like that's a great down, and then someone screws it up by getting a false start, and then you don't you know you don't not make it a first down. Like if anyone screws up on the field on a down the distance to go with one yard, I'm like, don't move, don't do shit wrong, or you're benched. Like you're out for the game. Like if anyone screws up. Screws up my fourth and one or second and one or whatever. I'd say you're out. Like th- those are the most this, the most painful penalties to watch, and especially when it's something yep. like that where you're going to go for it and then you end up punting, which, as Dave said, you probably shouldn't do. And then right. you get the the punt blocked. Yep. So uh, that wasn't too good. Uh, Chris Felica tweeted. He said, "So in the last seven games for Utah, four times they haven't scored a point in the first quarter." Uh, but then they outscore opponents 44-7 in the second quarter uh, in, in the other three games, but not in this one. Um, it was just like, I don't know. I mean, they, it, it, Oregon just was going to dominate, but then they, I felt like they could have stretched the lead more. And then when Utah was close, like you said, they sort of they, they had opportunities, which I don't want to say they didn't deserve, but it was like this game shouldn't be a one-score game. And then it kind of screwed it up at that point. But it, I think at the end, it's, the, the score probably reflects how it went. You know, 37, yeah, 15. Yeah. I feel like that's a – if you just looked at the score, I feel that's a fairly accurate representation of the game. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been if there hadn't been the pile on late. Um, but, no, this was a fair representation of the game. Uh, Oregon did dominate it. Utah had a stretch. They – I mean, they ha- they gave themselves an opportunity with the way their defense played to open the third quarter um, where they were just stoning the Oregon offense um, – and they came in. I mean, they came into the second half with a much better idea of what to do, um, and so that was good. But um, no, this was this was a really one sided game. Um, Oregon, they looked like the more talented team, and they had a better game plan coming in to deal with what Utah likes to do. Um, it was, and Tyler Huntley looked out of sorts. I mean, a lot of that was the Utah offensive line just not being able to block a soul. Um, but Tyler Huntley looked out of sorts in a way he hasn't this year. They really disrupted. Um, this Utah offense. And aside from, you know, Zach Moss statistically ended up with, you know, 19 carries, 113 yards, but it was really dependent on kind of one big play where he got 42 yards. Um, Otherwise it was not an efficient game for him. Um, Didn't have a great day. Uh, But no, this was a, uh, this was a really, really good game for Oregon. The best game they played this year by far. I think so. And uh, you look at, you know, what are you going to make of the Utes that's going to lose a lot, uh, you know, off of this team? Um, you know, a lot of wins. I mean, winning 11 games is great. You know, winning the South again and having a chance to, you know, win the championship game. You were a favorite uh, in that game. 
Um, but you know, the two probably most athletic teams that they played all year, uh, USC and Oregon, uh, you end up losing to. And I, I think that's where this seems like a pretty talented team. Utah is like number 12 in recruiting right now. I, I think this is where Utah needs to take those steps where you start bringing in some of the better athletes and it's not just about, Hey, great special teams and great coaching and senior leaders and things like that. It's like, you got to build this up. And I think this was a great opportunity to do that. Um, I don't know why they're the number 12 ranked recruiting class right now behind USC. I, I don't understand that. Um, but I, I feel this is like a missed opportunity. Now, maybe it's just because there's going to be a small class. I don't know. But, you know, they got a, you know nine three-stars committed or something. Uh, I, I would expect Utah to kind of take you know better advantage of these last couple of years. Yeah, um, I would, and we'll talk to Dan probably pretty soon here in the off season, and as well as Biggins and Huffman to figure out what's going on with Utah. But yeah, you would expect them to, based on the strength really of the last two seasons. Um, yeah, because last year they were a pretty damn good team too. Um, you would expect um, them to be doing better in recruiting, and I don't think you blow up the model after you go eleven and two. I mean, I think they're whatever they're doing is clearly working. As we've talked about for a long time, they've been the most consistent Pac-12 South program. Um, but uh, it did, at least, you know, to our eye, it did, look, USC, Washington, and Oregon were the three most athletically talented teams they played this year. Um, Oregon beat the crap out of them. USC beat them pretty good. Um, and it was in a way that showed the athletic dominance that USC had over Utah because they took on one of that the best Utah units that that defensive secondary um basically man on man and just showed hey we're better than you. Yeah. Michael Pittman's going to catch the ball over your best. And that's just what's going to happen all game. Um and then Washington even, I mean, they beat Washington, but that was a tight tight game in the middle of Utah's most dominant stretch of the season. So I, I think they do need to upgrade, not a ton, but they need to upgrade slightly athletically. Um, and uh, that's only going to be done through recruiting or the transfer portal. Um, so I think they need to hit both pretty hard here. Um, yeah. Utah is a university where you can get transfers in, I think, pretty easily. Um, and they've done that in the past. So um, hitting the grad transfer market, I think, is going to be huge if they're going to maintain you know something close to this level going into next year. All right, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, answer your questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. David, I don't think we have anything else to talk about but questions. Is that is that? Is I that mean, accurate? are we, we going to... Are we going to go through the bowl schedule or are we just going to say nah? Oh, because I'm I'm an idiot. Yeah, I guess we should go through the bowl schedule too. I really am not on top of my game right now, as you know. No, you're incredible. You're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, not, I'm proud of you. Not on top of my game. But that's, that, you know, that's why we got you. You know, sometimes I can't do it all. Like, 
most people know that I have to do most of the stuff. So sometimes you have to contribute. I know, and it's a tough thing for me, but I can shoulder that like minor level of burden. Um, just that, though. I have a list. Do you want me to start? Do you want to? Do you want to take turns? How do you want to do it? I mean, are we gonna do our uh, our sound effects for yeah, it? Yeah, I guess I got to do it. Okay. Um, so here is the bowl schedule. We're going to start off. Uh, why don't I just? I'll give the. I'll go in order of the dates that they're being played. And I'll play the sound, and then if you want to read what they're doing, we'll do that. Sure. All right. So this is uh, first up. We have Washington Huskies. <laughs> they are taking on the Boise State Broncos. Yes. Nay. Is that like a Bronco noise? Yeah. The number 21, 12 and 1 Boise State Broncos. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, obviously, Chris Peterson's farewell game. Uh, this is in the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. It's 4.30 p.m. on ABC on Saturday, December 21st. Uh, it's going to be Chris Peterson's uh, final college game, at least until he comes out of retirement in a few years. Um, so that'll be interesting, going against his first team. In college, his last team in college, uh, facing off on the field. Um, Washington, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more the week of, but they're somehow an early three-and-a-half-point favorite over Boise State. Oh. Um, so five-loss team favorite over one-loss team. That is power five versus group of five right there, but also a Washington team that got eh, maybe a little bit unlucky this year. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll preview that one later. Next we have USC Trojans. Uh, yeah, USC is taking on Iowa, uh, Hawkeye. Mm. The hell's a Hawkeye? They are the Hawkeyes, yes. Hang on. What is a Hawkeye? What is, what is a Hawkeye? I assume it's the eye of a hawk, but I don't know. Just like, it's not the whole bird. It's just the eye, I assume. That's my assumption. Oh, no, it's another (laughs) one of the Native American things. Um, Iowa's nickname is the Hawkeye State as a tribute to Chief Blackhawk. Oh, okay. So whatever we do for the Ute, I guess, which is probably a little bit racist and like not great, but I guess we'll just yeah, whatever. Ding. Anyway, yeah, thung. Yeah. Um so USC taking on Iowa in the Holiday Bowl, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, I yeah. know. Uh at five PM on Friday, December twenty seventh, so a little post Christmas action. So this is what we'll do. We'll preview Boise, Washington next week, and then we'll preview this whole rest of this slate of games the following week. Okay. Um, so USC, um, I mean, I thought it was a resounding effort to make a bowl game this year. Um, real rebound from Clay Helton. Um, they're going to be obviously raring to go in this one, knowing that they've got their man back. Fans are fired up. Fan, I mean, they're going to, they're going to be Fans, driving down the freeway to gonna, go to this game. They're going to flock to San Diego, uh, like the, uh, swan salmon of Capistrano. I don't know. They're gonna do something. Swallows, in like ten, <laughs> swallows. There we go. Uh, in like maybe tens, twenties of of yes. of of fans. Um, Not carloads. Just that's the total number of fans. They'll that'll be. Sharing, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be sharing uh, yeah. rides, but Th- yeah. they might take a train. They might take <laughs> one train. Um, so Iowa's favored by one and a half. It'll be a very boring game. Iowa is not fun to watch, but USC kind of is. So I think USC blows them out. But we'll talk about that more yeah, in weeks to come. Pretty good matchup, tw- number 22 and number 16, eight and four versus nine and three. And there was a little drama. We'll talk about where uh, the Utes ended up, but um, it could have been because it, it was pretty clear you had three teams that were above 500 in conference. So Oregon and Utah obviously played for the championship. 
Uh, Utah was eight and one, and USC was seven and two. Everybody else in the conference was below five hundred, and so it's crazy. Everyone was at least four and five. So there, you usually for the bowl selection, if you're within a game, there's there's some wiggle room there where the bowl could pick a team that's ranked lower if they're within a game because it's close enough. And USC and Utah were actually within a game. If you remember last year, Utah got uh, over overlooked for the Alamo Bowl, and they took Washington State instead. And uh, that wasn't very cool for Utah. They lose in the championship game, and they kind of get passed up. Could have happened again, but like you said, with the dozens of fans that would want to go to this game, uh, it didn't happen this year. But there was, that was like some of the drama, I guess, that was going on with bowl selection. Once you kind of figured out that Utah wasn't going to make that at-large spot for the Cotton Bowl, which they were you know, holding out some hope for, but uh, blowout loss in the championship game probably didn't help that. No. Uh, next up, on the same day, we have... Washington State Cougars. In the uh, the shit showy cheese it Bowl, um, it was a shit show last year, right? Last year was the one that was the cheese it Bowl to remember. That uh, Yes, I believe it was. Like the worst game of all time. Uh, it was two to nothing or something. It was something like that. Right? It was like ten seven <laughs> or something. Um, but like hilariously bad. Uh, seven fifteen on ESPN on that same day, so you can watch. Yeah, you'll have to overlap games. That's great. Um, two Pac twelve affiliated bowls where there will be overlapping on the same day. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, oh, Air yeah, Force. T- yeah, Cal lost the uh, TCU ten seven last year. Fun. Yeah. Uh, Air Force. What are they? The Falcons. They are, yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to make a bird sound. I don't, yeah. Tweet, tweet? Like, tweet, tweet is not a falcon, though. I was trying no. to make, like, the wing sound. You know, like, big wings on a falcon, but I don't know. Yeah. Falconry is a, a thing. Like, people talk about Maybe that. a jet sound, like a shout. Where do you stand on, like, the people that say you should train falcons, like, at every school? So, like, if there's a shooter, like, the falcon goes after the shooter. Do you think that's cool? I've never heard. You were the first person I've heard say anything remotely like that. Really? Yeah. I think that sounds insane. Or if you just have, like, a bird hanging out, you just feed it some, you know, worms or something. and then Like, how, how big is a bird's brain? No, but like, I think they like they could mess with you. Like I think if you want to disrupt, that's what they're no, saying. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, you're training it to like spot a gun. So some kid takes out like a candy bar, and it sees it from afar, and it what like murders the kid. No, I don't know if we're it not can murder it. It would like ruin his day. I mean, maybe ruin his life. Those <laughs> things take their claws to your face or something. True. Dude, you're no, always like a none. glass half empty kind of guy. I'm know. I'm anti Falcons in school. I'm just seeing more Falcons around. Like they use them. For I am, things. A, yeah. as you know about me, I am a long standing anti Falcons in school right. uh, proponent. I, I know that's the first thing I knew about you. Yeah, yeah. Air Force is favored in this game against Washington State. Really, Phoenix? Yeah, they are. They are a double digit win team, and Washington State's five hundred. So, yep, yep. Uh, Cheese it bowl. We'll see. Phoenix, Arizona. Hopefully there, I think there's going to be a little bit more action in this one, but you got like air raid versus air force. There's, you know, some, some good stuff there. Ooh. Ooh. I liked it. I liked it. You like that? Uh, yeah, that was good. All right. So this is getting close. But air force attacks you from the ground. They do, which is kind of, you know, there's some irony, I guess there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up we have California golden bears. What the hell? How do you do an, an Illini? I think we're doing another Ute sound, which is really, really, really underscoring how racist that thing is. We're, we're Native American heavy in this bowl season. 
Yeah, geez, we're Big Ten heavy, which is the worst part. Um, all right, this is on Monday, December 30th. Uh, Cal and Illinois in the beautiful Red Box Bowl in Santa Clara, California. Levi's Stadium, the great Levi's Stadium at 1 p.m. on that wonderful day. Um, God, I imagine this game's going to be boring as hell. Uh, Cal's favored by seven. Yeah. Go Bears. What a dump uh, that place is. Our friend Bruce Feldman's going to be on the call. Uh, hey! And there's a little Pac-12 flair. You got a bunch of former USC players and coaches on the Illini squad, so Cal will be familiar with some of them. Uh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. It's December 30th. It's an afternoon Fox game. Levi's terrible. If Chase Garbers plays, Cal could be kind of fun. When they when Chase Garbers plays, Cal's not bad. True. Yeah. Good point. No, I mean, we can watch the the true Pac-12 player of the year, Chase Garbers. Yeah, the, the fact that he didn't make, I mean, he wasn't even, ugh, it's just it's so annoying. That Like, how could you not, he's by far the MVP, probably of the decade. He's probably the best player of the decade in the Pac-12. I, I, think, I think we've made an ironclad case in the past. Yeah. I mean, they stink without him. They're good with him. It's pretty clear. All right, uh, we only got a couple left next. Utah Utes. There it is. Uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, what does the steer do? Moo. Uh, <laughs> this is on at 4.30 p.m. You skipped the early game, but it's fine. Whatever. Did I? Uh, there's another Pac-12 game on before this one, but oh. this one's on at 4.30 on ESPN on New Year's Eve in the Alamo Bowl. Utah and Texas. Texas playing in effectively a home game, but Utah's favored by seven and a half, which is reflective of their quality over Texas. Texas was very disappointing this year. Yeah, but that's one of those Pac-12 games that you could lose. I mean, Texas got athletes, and Utah struggles with athletes. So this would be a, a pretty big blow for the Pac-12 if Utah can't ha- hang, handle the athletes that Texas have. I don't like this matchup for Utah very much um, being played in Texas. And I'm sorry about out of order. I'm, this is the order the Pac-12 sent in their official release. So um, The Pac-12 is garbage, as we have firmly <laughs> said on this podcast, this very show. I'm trying to think and of we what we will would not be. abide by their nonsense. And even if it was like alphabetical by day, it's like the Valero, the the Valero Alamo Bowl and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So it it just didn't. Yeah, none of this makes sense. Um, all the yeah, I don't know why they would list that one first, but we'll see. You know, I think for the for the conference, it's important that Utah gets a win here and like a pretty good win. But like I said, potential matchup nightmare with a lot of athletes that Texas has. Uh, all right, we got two left. Next one is a little earlier that day, as David said. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> what the hell? Florida what? State Seminoles. Yeah. This is just really highlighting for me how much of a problem we have with our mascot naming conventions. Because <laughs> I can't make a sound effect for this. I, I'm refusing to do it at this point. You can't do, oh, oh, oh. Is that a Seminole? Oh. Uh, well, that's what they do. That's what the, the Florida State people so do. So they just steal the Braves thing? The Braves, the... Um, Indians? Uh, no, the, I, don't think, I don't know if the Indians do it. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs do it, I believe. Oh, my God. Do we, like... Uh, oh, but Florida man. State, I don't anyway. know who did it first. I thought, Flor- I thought Florida State might have been the first team to do it, but maybe not. I'm, excuse me. I, I, I God don't know. damn. It's just so much. But so USC, damn much. USC played them in the 90s, so I got to see it. Um, but yeah, they, they did it way back when. Name 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 your university after like the mythical losing side of a war 4,000 4, years ago, like somebody. Not whatever. Anyway. 
on at 11 a.m. on CBS, Florida State, ASU in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. That's, that sounds seems like, a little strange. That sounds like butt. Uh, this is in El Paso. Great town. I know I talk up the Sun Bowl every year. Everybody there is so nice. Um, except when Lane Kiffin was there, but everyone else is so nice. Yeah. Um, a- ASU favored by four. Oh. Uh, Mike Norvell is the new coach at Florida State, or will be. Um, won't coach this game, but will coach soon thereafter. So it'll be a little bit of a homecoming-ish type thing for him. He'll be able to watch two teams that one he's going to be affiliated with, one he was affiliated with. It. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, that is neat. And Willie Taggart. He's taking over for Lane Kiffin at FAU. Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss. So the SEC gets a little more fun, and Willie Taggart finds a job. Just former Oregon. Good for Willie. Yeah. Good for Willie. The only Pac-12 coach who blocked me on Twitter. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, can, yeah. I it's hard for me to blame people for blocking you. On can Twitter. I can I tell you that the the reason he blocked me on Twitter is a very um, important cause near and dear to all of our hearts. What was uh, it? He had punt. He had punted. On a oh. uh, on a fourth and short from inside the opponent's fifty, and so you you let him have it. And he didn't. I, I let him have a little bit of vitriol. I might have tagged him. I might not have. Who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I tied it back to that because I found one day that he had uh, he no longer um, would allow me to see his profile. <laughs> That's awesome. At least he, you yeah. know it's either like you know, his little assistant or something, or he did it himself. Hopefully he did it himself. That's bad. I hope he did it himself. I hope he felt, well, and I don't think I had tagged him. So I think it was somebody, either him or him, somebody else who was name searching too. So I, I want to say it was him, Yeah, you know, cool. so that's good. But the Tony, the tiger sun bowl, that seems very strange. Um, the San Diego, I used to love it when it was Pacific life holiday bowl. Like when you had the, the, the whale and everything, that was great. For whatever reason that didn't work out. It became like the San Diego Credit Union, which is fine. Then I think a year that I went to it a few years back, it like didn't have a sponsor. It was like some private guy that like sponsored or something. It was really weird. I think it was like a USC alumni or something like sponsored the game. Uh, but they're back to the San Diego Credit Union. But the the bull sponsorships, I don't know. It's interesting. It must be a, a decent investment because otherwise they, every bull wouldn't have these sponsors. But sometimes you get some really weird ones. Yeah. Uh, we'll jump into questions now because David, you know, we've got out. one more. We've got one more. Wait, what do we have? What the damn I? Rose Bowl. Son of a. Oh my God! I thought we did. <laughs> oh my God! No, Let's you're, go you're doing questions. wonderful. Let's just you're go into questions. You're doing so great. <laughs> I like. I pulled it. Out. I like closed out the the window. I'm like, okay, so we'll talk about the Rose Bowl next, and then move on. But then we kept talking, or I kept talking, and then I forgot about. It. All right, one last one. Is this a? <laughs> This is a new, well, okay, to my defense, this bowl normally isn't associated with the Pac-12. It's a new association. It's one of the new ones we have. Oregon Ducks. Taken on Wisconsin. Badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. That's a little little callback for all you old internet heads. Nice. Ryan might not get it. It's fine. I don't. On at 2 p.m. on New Year's Day. ESPN, Oregon, taken on Wisconsin. Top 10 teams. In the Rose Bowl. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by three. That'll really? be cool. Huh. I think that's going to be a fun game. Jonathan Taylor tailback. He's uh, very, very good. We'll see how he does against the Oregon uh, tough defense. Even though, you know, it, it must be not. I don't think the Oregon defense is that good. They only have one 
uh, all Pac-12 team, not even a first teamer. So they can't be that good of a defense. Um, I'm assuming. <laughs> Uh, if 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 the Oregon we saw against Utah showed up all year, uh, they'd be in the playoff. Yeah, uh, they would. Well, they, I mean, they were beating Auburn most of that game. The, the ASU. But if they show up, if they show up in this game, they'll blow out of Wisconsin. Yeah, the, the ASU because Wisconsin game. is basically just Utah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's fair. Um, the ASU game still baffling uh, to see. You know, like wow, how the hell did that happen? There was some drama about would Penn State go instead of Wisconsin. Um, in this game, I think the fact that Wisconsin was beating Ohio State in the early part uh, of that championship game in the Big Ten, uh, that probably helped them. But there was some talk that Penn State would go in over uh, Wisconsin. That didn't happen. Penn State, I think, ended up in the Cotton Bowl. But they, they ended up getting – Penn State got the, the at-large spot that Utah was trying to get to have another team in the New Year Six. So, and again, only one Pac-12 team in the New Year Six. That costs millions of dollars for the conference. Um, but yeah, it should be a, a good one. I don't know if I'm going to go this year and then forget that I went to it. Um, since I, you know, since I forgot that I went to the last year's Rose Bowl, it's like, do I want to spend the money to go? Uh, given your performance on today's podcast, I do think you will go and I do think you will forget about it. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> I probably should take cold medicine right before we get on the air too. Like that does. Oh no, <laughs> it's great. No, this is, this is, this is, I think really adding something to it for okay. everyone. Did I forget anything else? Do we, can we go into questions? No, now? I think I think we're I think we're all set now. Holy cow! Okay, uh, we had Eric wrote in. He said there's a new USC intro sound, and the last one we got that was new was awesome. Someone made this Washington State Cougars. Uh, so they, you know, because we had the meow, and that was like that was easy. I could just upload it to the board, and and this is a sound. All it is is a a YouTube link to a pipe dropping on the ground. So he said, since USC's decided to lay down their sword for the foreseeable future, please use this sound drop whenever USC does USC things. It, Eric, there's no production around. It's just a, it's a YouTube link to a pipe dropping on the ground. I don't think that's funny or I, I don't know. Like, this is better. Like, if you want to say something USC does. Dumb, dumber, dumbest. But just like a pipe drop, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing. It. Am I missing something, Dave? Can, can, we, can we make the USC uh, drop the dumb, dumber, dumbest from here on out? We could, we could do, well, someone has to like edit it in with the the USCs. You know, you got to put USC. Oh, good in point, good point. Yeah. That well, t- the thing is, like, I just googled dropping sword sound, and there's like a knife drop sound effect out there. Oh, so I don't know why you would go with the pipe dropping because it's. I mean, we're not playing it, but it's noticeably a pipe dropping. Like, it doesn't sound anything like a sword dropping on the ground. Yeah. Um. Hmm. But yeah, if someone wants to put that together, Eric. Just saying, you know, sending us a YouTube link is, you know, it's just, it's nice, I guess, but it's not like editing sound and sending us a WAV file or MP3 that we can just upload. So, yeah, we appreciate that. But yeah, I, I'm not going to take the time to like download the sound off the YouTube and then like merge it into all the other stuff. Yeah, I just, I can't do it. Sorry. I get it. Uh, all right. I'll do this next one. Okay. This is from Bob. Uh, hey guys, it's your loyal and probably only Alaskan, Bob. So I just wanted to make one remark and two questions. So I actually fell in the trap y'all set and went on Mac Weldon's website to buy the underwear. At first, I really didn't like. I didn't really like it, so I used their try-on guarantee and got a refund with no questions asked. I didn't even have to return the underwear. But after a few more weeks, I realized that, I realized that they're extremely comfortable with my ABU's Airman Battle Uniform. I'm in the Air Force, oh. so I ended up buying a few more pairs. <laughs> and you two weren't lying. These are some of the most comfortable underwear on the market. Wow, that's really so, nice, Bob. Thanks. Bob Bob worked at it, and then he decided they were, you know? 
I love that. I love the stick to itiveness. Yeah. Anyways, done with that. So my questions. Now that the regular season is over, how often are you guys going to upload new videos through the offseason as well as the bowl season? Um, so new podcast, I'm sure you meant. Uh, well, we're going to try to stick to once a week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. that'd be. Yeah. I mean, there might be some weird Christmas stuff, but... Uh, I think our average the last two years is doing like 50 episodes, right? I we, would think we so. We probably skip like two weeks over the course of the season. Yeah, we've been... Co- over the course of the year. Pretty consistent. Um, there won't be as long... Because uh, we're probably not going to get as many questions and stuff. But when we were, you know, full on six games to recap, six to preview, and like 25 questions, yeah, you're, you're more than two hour show. But it should be that long. But we, yeah, we plan on keep doing them. And it should be a little bit easier. Um, I got a new laptop. So when I'm on the road, hopefully we can, uh, it'll be a little bit better recording. Um, but yeah, I, we, we plan to keep doing them. Very exciting. And then he said, my other question is, do you think it would be better for the conference to get two teams in the New Year's Six or just one? Uh, the pros for two teams in the New Year's Six is that the Pac-12 gets more national attention. And according to John Wilner, a conference will receive $4 million for each team that plays in a non-playoff bowl under the arrangement. So the athletic departments will get a few hundred thousand dollars. However, the main con I can see is that the Pac-12 will probably do worse in their games. If Utah went to the Rose and Oregon was slotted in the Alamo Bowl, then they would face a lesser opponent compared to if they were in the college football playoff and Rose, and that would go down the line for every bowl game. The scenario happened in 2017-2018 bowl season, which the Pac-12 went 1-8. USC and Washington went to the Cotton and Fiesta, which meant that all of the other Pac-12 teams had to play a harder opponent, which probably contributed to our horrible bowl record and the Pac-12's current malaise. Uh, you definitely want two teams in the New Year's Six. Yes. What you're arguing for, Bob, here is essentially you want the Pac-12 to be downgraded to like uh, a really good group of five conference, um, which it's not yet. Um, but no, you want two teams in. You want to be able to measure against. And frankly, outside of the top three or four teams, I would expect the two best Pac-12 teams to be pretty competitive with everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Utah, Utah and Oregon. Um, I wouldn't want to see Alabama, probably, because they're probably a lot better than their record indicates right now. Uh, but everyone else from basically, honestly, Oklahoma on down, but Georgia on down, I don't think the the difference is that extreme that you don't want to see them tested on the field. Yeah, I think, Bob, first of all, thanks for your service and uh, awesome that you wrote in from Alaska. But I agree with Dave. You want to get those teams in. Um, you got. I mean, you can't be afraid to have worse bowl matchups. I mean, you want to get into the better bowls possible, you know, and, and play good teams and, and get some good wins. I know it's not been often that the Pac-12 has been getting good wins, but favored in most of these, right, Dave? With Pac-12 favored in almost all of them, like five of seven or something. Is that uh, is that right? Let me see. Pretty We've close, got Wisconsin huh? favored. We've got Air Force favored and Iowa favored. So four of oh. the four of the seven they're favored. Okay, Pac-12 team. Yeah, but even those are like a one point favorite or two. You know, they're pretty yeah. Close. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing extreme. Yeah. There's not like a Pac-12 team. I think what Bob's saying, though, is like maybe you get a double-digit underdog if you move up. But I, I think you have you got to try to move up. You you would maybe see it with Oregon if like Oregon was matched up against like uh, Bama, I think. You would probably see like a 10-point, something like that, Bama um, favored by. Yeah. But other than that, I really don't. I mean, none of the teams that are out of the playoff would be that heavy of favorites over um, – over Oregon or Utah. No, and I think if you're looking, say Utah moved up. Say Utah did get the spot. They would be playing, who is it? Is it Memphis or Cincinnati? Like they're playing the, in the Cotton Bowl. They'd play the group of five winner. So 
not yeah, you know, but that's it's not like you're you're not playing LSU. You're playing a group of five, you know, really good team. Utah should be able to handle that. Then USC moves up to play Texas. Like that's fine. Like that might be a better matchup for the Pac-12 just because athlete versus athlete and everyone else moves up. I mean, whoever ends up playing Iowa, yeah, like if Cal had to play Iowa, probably not going to be good. But um, you know, it, I think you got to take those chances when you can. Absolutely. John and Brea wrote in, Ugh is the subject. Uh, dear Ryan and Dave, could this week have gone any worse for the Pac-12? How does Larry Scott still have his job? Uh, his comments after the game about the playoff made me fe- feel ill. Champagne Larry is okay with the way things are currently? Seriously? The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> I mean... I don't. I mean, obviously, it would have been better for the league as a whole if Utah had won, because uh, then they would have had a playoff team, and you know, probably Oregon still goes to the Rose Bowl or something like that. But um, I don't know. I, I think there's ways it could have gone worse. I mean, the thing is, it was kind of what we knew all year. Utah and Oregon are both pretty damn good and not quite playoff teams. I think we saw if Oregon had played that way all year. Uh, they would have been in the playoff, but they just weren't able to, you know, have that exact level of consistency. But I don't know. I mean, I'm look. There's a lot of things that are a referendum on Larry Scott. I don't think this is one of them. This was. Uh, I, I don't remember. I know Canzano wrote something that was kind of interesting, where he was sort of checking out. I think at Larry's, um, you know, he so he met with uh, everyone, the media afterwards, and I don't think any of the Pac-12 CEO group was there. He asked about the, uh, the, the the quest to sell equity, and he just said the status it's ongoing, so nothing really was there. He was asked about expanding to an 18 playoff. He said, well, we designed the playoff. We understood there was four spots, there being five big conferences plus independence. That would mean uh, years that team wouldn't get in, so we understood that. It was just sort of like, you know, the same stuff. There wasn't really – he just kind of checked out, but I guess he got to talk to him afterwards. And, uh, you know, and it's to him it seemed like – Larry Scott has learned some things. He's involving athletic directors more now. He's, it seems like he's kind of getting it more than what he was before, where it was just sort of before he would tell people like, you know, Hey, this is my way. I don't know if he just knows that his job could potentially be on the line. Um, he told, uh, so he, so he asked, he asked Larry Scott about, um, if he had been told by conference members to stand down, and not like act that way. He said, I think I took some shots that were unfair. This is a quote from uh, Kanzano talking to Larry Scott. I'm not trying to duck it. I took, I took some things to heart. I think the perception was that I was out there marching to my own beat and I've tried to present that we're more together. So that was more about, he hasn't been out there kind of on his own speaking at, at every game. He used to go to every, you know, a PAC 12 game every week and speak all the time. And now he's kind of backed off of that. So it, it seemed like, I don't know if you got to read the pitch. It's from a couple of days ago on OregonLive.com, but check it out. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I think he was more contrite, I think, with Canzano in this one when they got to talk a little bit one-on-one. And and Canzano yeah. seems to be less critical of him. I mean, he doesn't like everything that he's doing. Um, and, you know, but it, it seems like he's getting it a little bit more. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, We've got Ryan next. Uh, Off-season idea. Uh, You two are easily the best part of being a fan of this conference. (laughs) Bless your sweethearts. Aw. Thanks, Ryan. You must be Southern. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, it's so frustrating that our champion is one that lost to two true freshman quarterbacks, including one that was starting his first college game. Why do we get stuck with Sherbert? He put an S in front of Herbert. Uh, when everyone else gets something decadent. Why? Do, oh, I get it. Uh, why do I even care? So to my off-season idea, please bring on a psychologist from each of the schools to convince us to care as much about the Olympic sports that we're actually good at. God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> Hey, Sherbert's underrated. Like, I, I wish I had some now. When you're sick, a little, like your throat's hurting, a little oh, orange yeah. Sherbert, that's good stuff. No, Sherbert rules. Yeah, and no, I haven't, I don't think I've had it since I was a kid. That stuff really? rules. Really? I've got it yeah. as an adult, like when I'm feeling bad. I can't believe, I should have bought some now. Like, like some orange Sherbert? Yeah, like your throat gets, it's like hurting and that, that stuff feels good. Um, oh, wow. This is one of those things that's like the Berenstain Bears. I could have sworn it was Sherbert. It's Sherbet. Is it? It's S H E R B E T. Oh, I I guess I pronounced it wrong forever. But don't people? I think people say Sherbert though, right? I think they do. But so you know the Mandela effect, right? What? Which is that all of us grew up like thinking a certain thing, um, but then it's actually wrong or something like that. Oh, it's yeah. like this group this group idea that ends up being incorrect. And one of the famous examples is the Bernstein Bears, which. Everyone thinks it's the Bernstein, like S-T-E-I-N, but it's actually the Berenstain, B-E-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N. Oh. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I think it's that's Sherbert. Interesting. Maybe we all just got yeah. it wrong. Uh, it's sort of like uh, you're, you'll, if you go outside when it's cold, you'll catch a cold, like... I, I don't think that's true, right? Or is that real? I don't know. It's one of those things, though, where you're well, like... Well, that's, but that's, like, just an old wives thing. This is, like collective um like illusion or some shit okay it's, it's wild so that wouldn't be considered anyway. like if, if so if that's not true that's just like a wives tale not a collective yeah that's illusion. just a wives tale but if yeah. if everyone thinks it then i guess it would be the collective illusion right right all right this is from frank in uh sacramento pac-12 playoff woes for years is the subject the pac-12 won't be in the playoff for at least five years whoa it's close this year frank come on one their best coach, Chris Peterson, retired. Okay. Two, USC failed to go after an elite coach. Fair. They're not going to make the playoff anytime soon. The conference can't produce a no-loss or one-loss team. True. A lot of, uh, lot of Twitter arguments this week, David, with the, the nine conference games versus eight conference games. Um, I, I saw. Were you, I saw. Do you, get involved, do you get mad when I respond on the uh, Pac-12 Twitter? Not no, that- I love it. I love it when you offer your personal opinion on our co-run <laughs> Obviously, 50-50 account that I use an even amount compared to you. That you never touch? or Do you still have the password or no? <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they can. Uh, the, the issue is primarily um, really that uh, uh, Oregon lost to ASU, yeah. and that would happen even if they were in an eight-game conference. Well, might Actually, have, maybe they would have been on the wrong rotation, but yeah. I, that would be like the to me. That's the ninth game. That's the game you don't need to play. Um, oh, okay, okay. We can just cherry pick whichever one you lose right. is the ninth game you didn't need to play. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Well, you wouldn't it, in, if no matter what you wouldn't have played ASU after already having played eight other conference games. So, yeah, you know, I think it would have been better off in that game if you had an eight game, eight game conference schedule. Number four, he said, nine game conference schedules weakens all the teams' records. I agree with that. That's mathematically correct. 
five California recruits continue. It weakens to it weakens their records, not right. necessarily their resume. And we're getting um that's the 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 kind of argument I've got into with uh was it Andrew? He you know, yeah. the eye chart guy. And he keeps arguing about this with strength of schedule and stuff. And it's like the, the committee has shown that doesn't matter. The matter is, is that extra loss. That extra loss is what kills you. So don't have the extra loss. When you do nine-game conference schedule, not only you know, every other year you're getting five conference away games. That's a disadvantage. And then you're playing that extra conference game. You can play a but good the- team out of conference, but it, it's just – it's the – the extra loss is what you're trying to avoid. And he's saying, like, well, your strength of schedule will go down by 0.06%. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, who, they don't care about that. They care about yeah. losses. Well, I, 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 I do think we're kind of getting lost in the weeds a little bit, which is if Utah or Oregon were good enough, meaning if they were in the top six-ish, the way every single one of the playoff teams are in, say, the SP Plus or any other analytic system, they'd be in because that would have meant that they probably would have only had one loss. The reason they're not in is because they weren't good enough. That's it. It's not the record thing because Oklahoma would win that resume battle um, if they had one fewer loss each. Um, And you're not going to massage the, the, the schedule to the point where you're ending up undefeated with one of, with one of these two teams this year, you're just not going to do it. They weren't good enough. Um, So, I, 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 I see what both of you were saying, but it doesn't really matter because the teams themselves were not good enough and they haven't been good enough since basically 2016 yeah. when Washington made it. Um, when they're good enough, they'll make it. And when they're not, they're not going to be like finagled in there. Every team except Oklahoma is in the top four of the SP Plus, And the one that isn't is two loss Alabama, which is in the top four. It's actually the second best team in the country if you believe that analytic system. But a two-loss team isn't going to make it in. But the, um, the but, SEC gets the benefit of the doubt a lot of times, but that it helps the entire conference that everyone doesn't have to play that extra conference game. And then you get wins over top 25 teams. In the SEC, the teams that shouldn't be in the top 25, but they are because they don't. They only play the eight conference games. I mean, you see teams in the SEC going two and six in conference and making a bowl game. Um, it's just that it's, it's to me – the playing field is Yeah, isn't but that's level. a different thing. But that's a different thing. Making a bowl game isn't a judge of quality. It's a judge of whether or not you got to six wins. But then it's like, oh, you beat these bowl teams. Like so the SEC is going to get more teams that are ranked. Yeah, but who know. cares about that? That's like a that's like a resume for after the season's over. And they like, talk about top twenty for- they talk about top twenty five wins though in the in the you know, USC came into play because Oregon had a top twenty five win when USC got ranked and Utah's loss was to a top twenty five team. So I mean that matters. If yeah, but are, a, we, are we saying are we saying Auburn is not worthy of being a top? Tw- well, I mean, I, I, I guess it doesn't. That's a different thing from just counting wins. Um, like if, counting wins is what you do to get a bowl game, but yeah. that's a different thing from judging and assessing quality. Um, and the rankings, I think the CFP rankings have been imperfect, but I think they've done a pretty decent job of judging quality. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the. Uh, you know, just to use it as like one guidepost. I know there are a bunch of different analytic systems, but if you look at the SP Plus, USC, right there at number 22. Um, and that's a system that's judging efficiencies, not, you know, just counting wins and losses. Um, Utah is number nine. Oregon's number 16. Um, Washington's number 17. Interesting. Um, yeah, these are all teams that, I mean, were quality teams, but none of them were good enough or should have been in the playoff this year. See, like um, like a Washington team, though, result. like 
Washington, if you if if the conference has a eight game schedule, Washington's probably eight and four instead of seven and five, and ranked too. You know, and they they're probably in the the college football top twenty five, and that's an extra top twenty five win for for Oregon. So. I think yeah, it's, but if Washington's just a little bit, I mean, if Washington's just a little less unlucky this year, I mean, the thing was they just like lost a lot of close games. No, I mean um, you can overcome the, but that's, you shouldn't have to overcome nine. Like the SEC doesn't have to get lucky sometimes because the set the schedule set up where you can be not that good and still look better. Like you're, I, I think the nine game conference schedule, you're going to look a lot closer to what you really are, which isn't good when you're facing off, you're in a beauty contest with someone that has a lot better makeup than you. You know what I mean? Like the SEC. Yeah, but it's not just makeup. I mean, the, the team qualities are better. I mean, Alabama and LSU and Georgia, for that matter, right. would would probably each blow away Utah. Well, not blow them away, but they'd probably each be favored by, uh, I don't know, at least five on a neutral field over Utah and at least uh, eight or nine on a neutral field over Oregon. Um, and that's just the reality of the team's quality. What, um, so, look, so, what do you think the gap is between the SEC and the Pac-12 right now, as far as like overall quality or whatever? I think you could you could assess the middles of both conference at about even. Um, but the the just the simple fact of the matter is, um, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia uh, are recruiting at a different level than any. Uh, team in the Pac-12 um, as a general rule. They get those uh, Southern defensive linemen, which you just can't find on the West Coast. And uh, those three programs are just better than anybody in the Pac-12 right now. Um, I think when we're talking about the future of the Pac-12, I think this is what you, you get to Wilner's point. Uh, USC is the one program in the in the conference that's shown historically that it can be at that level for a period of time, more than like a few years here and there. Uh, we'll see on Washington and Oregon. Um, you know, Cristobal might be able to do it. He's a relatively young guy. Uh, maybe he's able to sustain it for a long period of time and consistently get top 10 talent there. And then maybe that program is sustainable. But, you know, I think the jury's out on that. And Washington, we'll see what happens with Jimmy Lake. I'm I'm bullish on Jimmy Lake, but we'll see. Uh, but those two programs don't have the historic pedigree that USC does. Um but it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I would just say like there's a there's a significant gap now between the two conferences. I think if the Pac-12 only had to play eight conference game schedules and the SEC had to play nine, I think that pers- that gap wouldn't look as wide. Um, I think that's a big. I think it's a big advantage uh, for these conferences. So not just for the team at the top, but for everyone up and down the you know up and down the ranks. So. Uh, yeah. But we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's see. Number five, California recruits continue to leave. This we're we're sure. talking about Pac-12 woes for for years, and then bad deals uh, keeps many games off television. Well, they're, I don't think that matters. They're on television. They're just not on television. That everyone can watch. Uh, yeah, I also don't think it matters. I yeah. think I think Chris Peterson's definitely a reason, and USC not getting an elite coach is definitely a reason. Um, the rest of it is all. Eh. Yeah. Marginal. I think those two, the number one thing the Pac-12 needs to figure out is how to improve its team quality. Um, that involves getting better coaches. It involves keeping talent home more. Um, that's the thing to control. The other stuff, I think it's just rearranging, you know, not deck chairs on the Titanic, but something like that. Um, I think it's dealing with a lot of window dressing that's not actually getting to the root of the matter, which is the Pac-12 hasn't had a team good enough to make the playoff in three years. 
Um, and the last one was Washington in 2016. Who made it? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Next up, we've got Hitler Day. Oh, nice. All right. We've got Genesis 811. Let me pull this one up. Is the subject line. Oh, when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. All right. So after the flood. Um, okay, cool. Got that in our brains. Uh, over the years, I've heard quite a few explanations for Oregon's record, including that a brilliantly coached scheme covered up for mediocre quarterback play and that a transcendent signal caller bailed out lousy coaches. Still, it was quite novel this season to learn from every fan base and commentator each and every week that the Ducks were substandard at both coaching and quarterbacking. Since I know the sources of these criticisms to be objectively intelligent and well-informed, I'm sure they must be true, and so I wonder what factors allowed Oregon to overcome them. I'm sure it had something to do with Phil Knight's money. It always seems to, but how exactly? If it's having talented players, what explains the records of programs like UW and USC? I look forward to your boys' thoughtful and reflective input. Thank you, Hithliday. Mm. I appreciate this. It is not in any way dripping with scorn. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. I don't know if they I were substandard in coaching, right? Like coaching was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Um, and that's the thing I would say about the quarterbacking too. It wasn't mediocre. Justin Herbert's good. Yeah. I just i I called BS on the idea that he was the number one pick in the draft. Um, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, and I I, I think Cristobal is uh, certainly showed some issues with clock management this year. I don't think he's a great game manager. Certainly a good uh, recruiter. Um, got a bunch of talent in there. So. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of talent, uh, so that's a big part of it. Um, but in addition to that, I think uh, hey, Hitler, I don't I, love the uh, no, go ahead. I don't love the offensive scheme, but no. it certainly seemed to work for the offensive line that they had. So I'll give them kudos for that. And by the end of the year, they were you know you know doing things at a pretty dominant level against Utah. So can't knock it too much. Here you go, Hitler. So. I know you're not used to having like the most talented team in the conference or anything like that. So just, this is, this is new territory for you, but this is what happens when you have better players than your opponents. You're not going to get the kind the kind of credit that you would get. Otherwise you can't be the, uh, the lovable underdog when you have better players than everyone. Now you're going to get treated differently. If they, if someone comes out and says your quarterback's supposed to be the number one pick in the draft and he looks like a first round draft pick, but not a top 10 draft pick, you're going to get criticized for that. And is he amazing? He's still an amazing quarterback. He's still going to be a high draft pick, but he hasn't lived up to the hype that what you had. And you're going to be expected to be better than you are. And your coaches aren't going to get as much credit because your players are really good. Who brought those players in? Your coaches. But that's just the way it works. Um, when Pete Carroll was winning all those championships and seven whatever BCS bowl games in a row, you weren't giving him coach of the year he had better players than everybody you just that's kind of the way it's understood so Oregon is sort of in that spot now I would say so you can't take that you know I, I wouldn't forget that you're like you're not the underdog anymore you're the big dog you're won the Pac-12 you're on top yes you're gonna have to you're, you have to be amazing you can't lose two games with that kind of talent and then people are going to give you lots of credit for coaching well and things like that that's not the way it works you're gonna have to go undefeated and then people are go wow that's amazing if not, they're going to say, oh, they squandered all the talent they had. Yep. 
Is that fair? He's, Hithlade hasn't yeah. been in that position before. See, if you cover USC, you know that. That's a, that's like everyone knows that. Yeah. At least around USC. Agreed. Uh, this is from Eric. Uh, one observation about USC and two questions. Uh, hey, guys. So he said the same thing. In the Okay. I won't read that again. He put it in the subject and then put it in this first line of the thing. I'm like, okay. Uh, one, as a Colorado fan, I can't help noticing some interesting parallels between Mike Bones' current situation at USC and his situation at Colorado a decade ago. If you don't know, Mike Bones the new USC athletic director. Used to be the AD at Colorado. That was Cincinnati afterwards. The Buffs were 3-9 and nine in 2009 under Dan Hawkins who had not had a winning season at Colorado and was experiencing experiencing an obvious downward trend. Seemed like Hawkins should have been fired, but the university was still dealing with reputational and financial fallout from the rape scandal under Gary Barnett. The university actively wanted to avoid doing anything that made it look like football was a priority, so they kept Hawkins an extra year. Uh, finally firing him uh, after he blew a 42-17 lead in the fourth quarter at Kansas. Ouch. Keeping Hawkins as a lame duck for so long killed recruiting to the point that Colorado was one of the worst teams in FBS from 2014 to um, 2011 to 2014, and the program uh, has still only gone to one bowl since 2007. Uh, Bones seems to be doing the same thing at USC now, keeping a lame duck coach around because the university is understandably prioritizing cleaning up after several scandals. USC's current recruiting class, ranking 76th in the country, indicates. This is having a similar effect on recruiting at USC as it did on Colorado. If Colorado's experience is any indication, Ryan is right, it will cost them more in the long run to keep Helton in the form of tick, lost ticket revenue and donations than it would have to fire him. I wouldn't expect it to get as bad at USC as it did at Colorado because USC has a recruiting advantage from being based in LA and Colorado has outdated facilities at the time or had outdated facilities at the time. But still, rough times are ahead for USC and I'm not sure how Mike Bone finds himself in this situation again. That's Good thoughts. No, that's interesting. I, it certainly won't be as as bad. And this isn't something, I mean, he's just taking over and like really only has a month in on the job. But uh, I think you're right. I think the, you know, the president really didn't want to do anything. I, I don't know about prioritizing football, but bringing in a big, powerful coach that could run things his own way. I, I think they were trying to avoid that again, which they've been avoiding in the past too for other reasons. But with all the scandals, I think it definitely doesn't help. Uh, Two, which Pac-12 teams do you see improving next year and which ones do you see taking a step or more back? Hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, So taking a step back, I would say Utah, obviously. Um, I don't see them going 11 and two again next year. Yeah. Um, But a natural step back, like not a, you know, the program's in disarray type deal, but I could see them falling back to like a seven and five. Um, I think the Washington schools will improve. I think both Washington, 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 Washington's Washington's a sneaky pick for uh, winning the PAC 12 next year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really bullish on Jimmy Lake up there. Um, I think kind of Stanford yeah. stays the same. Like I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's hard Stanford to take a step will be back. Ass again. Yeah, yeah, they'll be they'll be ass again. Um, who else could take a step back? Uh, I mean, where is Arizona stepping back from? But I think they could be really bad next year. Um, yeah, it just there's so many like six and six, seven and five teams. It's like I don't know. I I kind of feel like they'll probably still be there. I there's not as many step backs or forwards from that spot, you know? 
Um, yeah. UCLA will have a better record more than likely because the schedule is weak as hell. Um, I don't think they're going to be meaningfully better. Um, Cal, Cal loses Bo Baldwin. We didn't mention that at the top. He, I think he took the job at Cal Poly. Is that finalized? Which might, which might be good. Yeah, like I really liked what he did. At, it was at Eastern Washington, but man, it just yeah. wasn't looking outside of the Garber stuff. His offense has been butt. Yeah, so I yeah. think that might actually be pretty good. Um, no, I think that's probably fair. I think Utah's the obvious one to take a step back. I think Oregon will more or less maintain. I know Justin Herbert's leaving, but um, they do have a ton of talent. Um, and uh, I think Washington will be better next year. Uh, it says three. I'm also a hoops fan. I know Dave also covers basketball. Can you recommend any similar basketball podcast bonus points if they're Pac-12 focused and or occasionally discuss Star Wars and Disney princesses? Thanks, guys. From Eric. Mm, I don't know of any. I don't. I my podcast listening is pretty much devoted to football and then a bunch of weirdo stuff. Um, so I don't listen to any hoops podcasts. Do you have any in mind? I. <laughs> you're actually the wrong guy. Uh, no, I don't. No. Somebody out there, provide a recommendation for a College Hoops podcast so we can share it with our friend Eric. Yeah, sorry. I, there are probably some good ones out there. I would guess they're not Pac-12-centric, but um, yeah, sorry. That's it. I think that's it. Yeah, that's our last uh, question. We still went hour and 25 minutes or so. Um, not bad. I, I really thought we could do it in an hour. Nope. But No, nope. you were trying to at various points, skipping past bowl games, but I wasn't going to let you. Not only skipping past bowl games, skipping past the Rose Bowl. That was really cool. It was trying to be efficient, so I closed out the thing that had all the bowls on it. I, and I was like, okay, we'll talk about I knew I was going to talk about the Rose Bowl next, but then we just kept talking, and then I forgot to talk about the Rose Bowl. So It was it was a wonderful moment in podcasting history. Just how the sausage is made. I, dude, I don't know, man. There's been a lot of stuff going on. I, well, and what's exciting for everyone out there is listening to this this juncture. They won't, they won't know it, or maybe they will, but... You've got a little bit of editing to do after this thing is done. I do. And who who knows how it's going to turn out? Like, it could be really exciting. Um, and here at the end of the show, we'll, we'll know if it succeeded or not. But I'm excited for the listeners. Yeah. I screwed up in the, one of the reads, and here we are. No, no. It was I, – I thought it was natural and organic um, and fine. We could have kept going. You could have just said whatever. You know, Peristyle is the promo code, and sometimes it's the Pac-12. Whatever. Who cares? Live your dream. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. It's been a long It's been a long week. I'm ready. I'm ready for, hey. for Christmas vacation. Are you? Yes. Yes. Extremely ready. Extremely ready to, uh, to be done with the day-to-day. Well, you got to take your – you do stuff for your kids, you know. Yeah. Honestly, all the holiday breaks are um, – kind of terrible when you have children yeah like they're not actually vacations of any sort um because you then have to just watch your children all the time but it's fun too yeah i I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon but it does uh you know it's just exchanging one job for another yeah i'm gonna i'll fly back to i'm going back to the east coast see my parents and stuff so that should be fun um yeah kind of relaxing we'll probably do some podcasting from from massachusetts uh, oh, we'll both be on East we Coast. We could both time. be at East Coast time doing a podcast about the Pac 12. That's perfect. It's how we drew it up in the field. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. You find him on Twitter at David David Woods. Find me at Inside Troy or us together at Pac 12. Well, yeah, Pac 12 podcast. Oh, my God. That's what we are, right? Pac 12 <laughs> podcast. 
I think so. Who knows at this point? <laughs> we do appreciate you listening. We know you don't have a choice when it comes to back to a podcast. So we just, we love that you listen to ours. But thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.